Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Transatlantic Crime. How was your night? Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, my night was good, but like there were shots on offer and they were like in plastic cups and they were called J-bombs. And I was like, that is neither Jaeger nor Red Bull. Like (laughs) none of this is a genuine article. What were they? It's like, I think it was like an off-brand Jaeger bomb. (laughs) And also I just had like the worst heartburn. And then there was like... You know, the variety of us there, but most of us are, you know, in our mid to late 30s. And I was like, Yeah. "Uh, Lads, has anyone got a heartburn tablet? And they were like, No. And I was like, Don't fucking lie to me. (laughs) Someone has something in their bag. Someone has some Gavscon and they weren't giving it up. So I basically decided to go home. I think I went home at like half 11, which is pretty good for me. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. I'm fine today, just like super tired. And Carly stayed out till like half four. So she's. She looked amazing, by the way. I know. She looked like a dominatrix. <laughs> yeah. So did you too, though. Oh, thanks, Pat. And uh, if our listeners follow us on Patreon, then they'll see Talissa in uh, what she was wearing when she went out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did a video, like a Christmas video, discussing like American and Christmas. American and Christmas? American and English Christmas traditions and um, also (laughs) like some silly holiday Christmas stories. So if you want to enjoy those, they're being released on Christmas Eve as a little present to our Patreon followers. So head over there. Yeah. Um, And also if you're new to Patreon, you'll get sent a sticker and a postcard as well. So it's all worth it. And we're going to do yeah. more. Yes, and we, need we to, are. We need in to the do new it year. more. We need to plug it more. We need to more. <laughs> I also, okay. in that video, I also shared how my night went at the Chateau Marmont, yes. uh, which I briefly mentioned in last week's episode. So Everything to play for as we go into the next round. Exactly. Nothing to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am all talked out to you. <laughs> no, um, what, how has your morning been? Um, just really, uh, all over the place. I, I was trying to get ready for recording with you and trying to finish my story and I couldn't find my headphones and I was trying to feed my dog and blah, 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 running all over the place. So typical Sunday morning before recording. Yeah. (laughs) I thought I was like having an unsuccessful day, but like I made pasta and sauce for lunch Ooh. And then I hoovered and I did the washing up and then Carly like crawled in and just like crawled onto the sofa. <laughs> I'm glad she had a good time. Yeah, so am I. Like she really deserves it. But um, yeah, she basically stayed out really late and some girl had like done mushrooms. Oh. Then they were like, look, just come. She started freaking out and they were like, look, just come back to ours. Like everything's fine. And she was like, yeah. no. And like ran off into the night. <laughs> and then Carly was like, oh no. This is really killing my buzz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time to go yeah she was like that's why i stayed at my mate's house because i was just like i don't have the energy to walk home all my energy has been poured into like controlling <laughs> a drugged up bitch <laughs> yeah i mean was that girl all right in the end i'm sure she was yeah yeah she was fine like it wasn't it wasn't like proper mushrooms it was like some sort of truffle oil or something uh. <laughs> that you can like legally buy here now but seriously okay. if somebody said to me like oh do you want to do this like mushroom oil on top of being dry? but no no i bloody no, don't i'm good thanks no because i'm not 25 anymore yeah probably bought from like some little shop in camden where there's just like oh. weed paraphernalia everywhere even though you can't buy weed oh yeah i really <laughs> want to bend my sanity even further yeah, yeah, I can't. Oh, please, please morph my reality. That's <laughs> already fucking exhausting. <laughs> Real life is enough. Uh, no, I think I'll have a little bit of a fag, feel sick, and then go home if it's all the same with you. 
Yeah, and then I tried to listen to True Crime Bullshit, but I just wasn't listening to it. I wasn't really listening to it. Like, you know, you just have a podcast, like, on mm. near your face. Yes, and then you you like tune out, and then you keep rewinding it like fifteen and thirty yeah. seconds because you keep it's missing so it. Dense. <laughs> yeah. Also, like I forgot, I listened um on the way home to this podcast that like I haven't listened to in ages. It was it's called All Killer No Filler. The person that does it is the person they mistook you for in the crime magazine. Yeah, Rachel Fairburn. Was it Rachel Fairburn? Yeah, yeah. Kiri Pritchard. McLean. Not my name. Not your name. Your name is Rachel Pauser. <laughs> But anyway, I I was uh, mentioned correctly, and I'm sure it gave Rachel Fairburn some exposure. (laughs) Basically, I was listening to that podcast, and I forgot, like, how funny they are. Like, (laughs) on one of them, they were talking about a serial killer who, like, canned meat, like, put pork Mm. into cans. I think he was called something Mm -hmm. like Carl Denker. He was, like, a cannibal. Then uh, Rachel on there was like, oh, what meat do you get in, like, a pot or a can? In a can. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Kerry was like, hot dogs. And then they were like, yeah, no, yeah. hot dogs are brilliant. But Kiri's a vegetarian, uh, a vegan now. So she was like, I really I really miss hot dogs. And I tried to have like a vegan hot dog. And she said that it was tofu. <laughs> and she was like, it was Ew. the driest thing I've ever put in my mouth. She was like, it's like someone just, just put like a, cat, a dried up old cat shit in a bun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, we've been watching Malcolm in the Middle all day. Mm. And there's an episode where like Hal brings in like an old wardrobe off the street. I remember that one. <laughs> goes, That's weird. Why would somebody put loads of tiny bow ties in there? And he's like, they're bats. <laughs> and they just release bats I into knew the house. It. I was like, I remember that episode and something was it like fleas or something fly out or something, but it's bats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> loads of bats. The funniest bit on there is when he says that Dewey, like the smallest kid, has to go in and get the last yeah. bat. And he's like, why do I have to do it? And he's like, because you have the shortest hair, son. And if it gets in your hair, it'll just bite you once and fly off. <laughs> and if it gets into mine and Malcolm's hair, it will keep biting until dad. we die. <laughs> Poor Dewey. By the way, I think um, I could be wrong if any of my siblings are listening, but we had a hamster and its name was Dewey after Dewey and Malcolm in the Middle. (laughs) Oh, I love those little guys. They just don't live long enough. No. They live a heartbreakingly small amount of time. They really do. I think it died when I went off to college, but they had a funeral for it and everything. Good Um, send off. Yeah. Good send off. Uh, I was going to say, before we get into our stories this week. I I also had a quick podcast recommendation. Mm-hmm. I just binged listen to Harsh Reality from <gasps> Wondery. Wondery never lets me down. I feel like Wondery is like the no. H- HBO of podcasts. I think it is. And I caved and I paid for Wondery Plus. Oh, mate, I'm seconds away from doing the same. I cannot blame you. Like, it's (laughs) so good. They do Operator, which is the one about the phone sex lines and how, like, it's like succession. Like, they all fuck each other over in the end. So what's Harsh Reality about? So Harsh Reality is about this British show, which I never heard about. But it sounds crazy. It's about this trans woman who <gasps> yes she go she's only 21 too yeah. which is kind of nuts like yeah. just super young. The premise of the reality show which came out I think they said it was like 2004 or something like that which was like the height of like reality Big shows. Big Brother was Big massive. Brother yeah. They had a show yeah. called Shattered where you weren't allowed to fall asleep for like uh, it was mm. like 72 hours or something or like even longer yeah. and the last person awake won. Yeah, and there was uh, Fear Factor and I think The Bachelorette was starting at that yeah. time, which is huge now still. Yeah. Um. So this show is about this trans woman named Miriam and it's basically a dating show where the men go to Spain and they mm-hmm. all stay in this villa. I remember it. And do you? Yeah, I, was, I watched it. It was like all wow, over the I was going to ask you that. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah, it was There's something about Miriam. Yes, like, what is and the thing so about her. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the the premise. None of the men know that she she doesn't tell the man in the production. Don't tell the men that she is a trans woman. Yeah. So it's playing it really with everybody's is, emotions. 
even though this is like 20 years later, that would not fly today. Like that, this whole premise of the show and they talk about, you know, the bad jokes that people make and just, yeah, it's just not a cool thing to do to people, whether it's her or. The premise is like, ha ha, you kissed a man. That's what they're trying to get. That's That's how they dealt with it. That's the punchline of their joke. And it's like, right? no, you didn't. Exactly. And at the end of the show, too, they explained in the podcast how it was like at the beginning, everyone was like, ha ha, this is what's going to happen. But then at the end, all the production just felt awful. Which you would. Like, yeah, you should. And then like, um, as soon as people kind of figured out that she might be trans, they They were sent off. They were sent off. They were like, okay, this week you have to get rid of uh, Mike or whoever. Because they yeah. they could record all of their conversations, and they found out and that they some knew of them which were ones talking. Were, like, figuring suspicious, it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although um, I don't know because I go because I basically listened to the show and then I googled uh, Miriam to find out where they are now. And oh, don't tell me because I no, I, I don't know. Listened to it all yet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, okay. But like I and then I saw <laughs> I saw some sort of spoiler thing, and then I was like, don't look, don't look. And then I haven't finished yeah. the podcast, but something has happened since the end of that show basically yes that's big yeah because the men got really angry they thought the production and miriam thought that they were all unsafe because some of the men they had to get in like a psychologist like yeah it's that's just a good podcast to listen to and sometimes when i look back on the 90s i can't believe the shit that flew around like even the early 2000s i just can't believe it like on TV, right. there was like on Big Brother, um, they were they let them play strip poker mm-hmm. on one of the British ones, and this girl called Jay Goody, who is well, she she's dead now. She died of like cervical cancer, yeah. and um, yeah. But anyway, in the show, she was like really bullied. She wasn't mm-hmm. as yep. smart as the others, and they played strip yep. poker with her, and she ended up completely naked. And like no one, yeah. and everyone else had their clothes on, and it's like that is fully right. bullying someone. It really you is. You gave them booze, yeah. and then you let them play strip poker until she was naked because it was good for TV. And to make it worse, the British like tabloids are even harsher. They were calling her like a fucking pig, like they were saying like, "Oh, Jade, mm. the ugly pig," and it's just like fucking hell, man. It's a bit much. Yeah. Which is also what happened to Miriam. Like, yeah. she got ripped apart in the tabloids as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Have a listen to that. That's my recommendation for this week. Great recommendation. And Just thanks. fucking sign up to Wondery. Just, honestly. It's just so We're worth not it. sponsored not by them. Not sponsored by them. Maybe someday. I fucking hope. I don't know. Their quality is really up there, Rach. <laughs> I yeah. just don't know if we've got it. What kind of... <laughs> Tim Cam operation would they accept there? No. The, our production values would have to go a lot higher. Um, but yeah, yeah, if you want to treat yourself to binge listening, then that is definitely the way forward. Yeah. I think there's like one episode left which explains what happened to Miriam after all of that. Yes. Because they haven't really gotten into it. They mostly talk about the men and yeah. how the men were affected. The men are on um, it, aren't they? A lot of them. Some of them, yeah. Which the main guy that uh, wins, in quotes. Yeah, it is. They interview the, him. The theory was like The Bachelorette. Like, you have to impress her yeah. enough that she chooses you to be together yeah. with her. And she was stunning right. in the show. She was like FHM, like Victoria's Secret model. Out of every one of those blokes' leagues, none of right. them would have been able to get her on I'd a normal I'd love to day. see what those guys look like. I would love to see what they look like. I haven't looked at any of them yet. They were just normal, really. Like they were, they were good looking. Like they were just normal lads. None of them were models, but none of them were ugly. They were just normal, okay. like your brother's mates. What did you think at the time when you watched it? Do you remember having any thoughts or feelings about it then? Like, how old were you? Probably like ten or something. No, because if it was, if it was two thousand four, I would have been uh, fifteen, fourteen. Mm, I, okay. I just, I'm not sure it was 2004. But, well, I just yeah. remember thinking like, wow, what's going to happen when they find out? It wasn't yeah. even really like, like, I remember thinking like, they're going to be so fucking angry. Mm, Somebody's mm-hmm. going to get like punched in the face. Which is kind of what happened. Kind of. You just, you just remember thinking shit. Like when this comes out, yeah. it's not going to be good. 
which right why would you do it was like a ticking time bomb i know it really horrible was. what like car crash tv yeah which is why people watched it because they probably had the same exact thought like what is going to happen yeah. and it's so horrible too like they explain it in the podcast well you should just listen to the podcast but yeah. just the immature you can just imagine like we've all experienced it like being 20 and being laughed at by like a 20 year old immature man yeah there was that element too the bloke mentality of that time as well there was no yeah when we say like these days men you know there's there's a whole stigma about men's mental health and stuff Mm -hmm. like when i I remember being that age and like calling people gay and call being like oh what are you a fucking homo like all of that stuff right completely was okay to say yeah nobody it was normal nobody batted an eyelid at going oh what are you gay like if you were in any way upset Mm -hmm. which is just mad and it was only about 15 years ago it just blows my mind it blows my mind i feel like even like personally in the past like five years i've shifted out of that mentality because it and it takes work some people imagine don't take what that, boomers feel like that work <laughs> <laughs> must be like twice as hard for them well i applaud any boomer who ha- does take the work Modifies to like their shift behavior. how they think and yeah, yeah. exactly yeah because uh, it does take a lot of work especially I love it for like people... white people like us <laughs> i love when people are like god god you can't say anything these days can you well no you can't I... say anything no <laughs> Right. Don't rightly and don't so. worry about it. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> like, oh god, you can't say No, you cannot. And rightly like right. you can't. So you should not be able yeah. to say any fucking thing that pops into your head. It's not your god given <laughs> right to be a cunt twenty four seven. No. <laughs> uh anyway, that's us. That's our TED talk for yeah, today. Thanks for coming uh, and see you later. No, we just kidding. Still murder to come. Just kidding. Um, and Christmas. All right, should we murder. get into it? Yeah. Yes, Christmas themed Christmas and, disasters. Yes, it, and it's your week first this week, Rach. So I'm just going to okay. sit back right. and enjoy. Yeah. So I was researching like horrible Christmas disasters. Again, unfair, Uh, because in America, there's just so many more people, so many more guns, (laughs) so many more explosives readily available. Like, I was just lucky that I saw something on the telly this week that got me my story. And thank Mm, God. Okay, that's good. But you you have a smorgasbord. I do, but some of them were just so depressing. Mine's pretty depressing. Is yours not? Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, just to warn you. Not really. no that's that's why i'm i'm like setting this up because i was like i like last year i did a depressing story about a fire uh on christmas and it killed like a whole almost a whole family remember it's like a mystery uh oh how they some of them were missing some of them died that is one of the great unsolved mysteries isn't it along with like the dialogue which is apparently now solved Um, oh really yeah so i think that's just like a running theme on christmas or around the holidays is there's always going to be horrible christmas fires that kill a whole bunch of people so i skipped it (laughs) we've had a rough year here's something a little bit lighter okay okay so we're in cisco texas it's Mm. 1927 a man named marshall ratliff has just been released on parole after robbing a bank So for that crime, the previous crime, 24-year-old Marshall robbed a bank with his younger brother, Lee, and the two had bragged about it drunkenly and spent their money freely and openly. Had they not done that, they probably would have gotten away, but because they were bragging and drunk and spending all their money, uh, they were caught, yeah, they were caught, tried, and convicted and sent to prison. So by 1927, they were both paroled after one year in prison. So that's where we're at. This is who this is about, Marshall. uh, sentences for robbing people weren't very high back then. Or robbing banks, I guess. Uh, Now they're really harsh, right? Yeah, they are. And I believe after this time, so we're going to talk about this a little bit, but at the time, bank robberies were just happening all the time Mm -hmm. like that was like the start of it so Mm. 
uh, I think because it wasn't such a harsh punishment, then it just people started doing it all the time. Yeah. And Ramped up. then they started changing it. Yeah. Uh, so Marshall briefly searched for work around re- West Texas, but was convinced that he wouldn't find anything in the oil fields. It was v- a very rural area with like small towns Mm -hmm. he also didn't want to work hard labor so he settled in a boarding house in wichita falls about two hours from cisco and he began planning his next heist Mm. he was just like i don't want to work he seems to rob another bank seems a tad lazy this fellow lazy but also thinking he's smarter than everyone okay So in Texas, so this is kind of what I just was talking about. In Texas at this time, three to four banks a day were being robbed, especially in small towns like Cisco. Oh, my God. Uh, So Cisco had a population of about 8,000, and that was kind of similar to towns in that area around Texas. So it was really just easy to rob a bank and You'd get think away. They'd come up with a system. I guess they did come up with a system of like uh, the money gets stained or whatever. Here's what they came up with at that time in yeah. 1927. Remember, Texas, people love their guns in Texas. Yeah. yeah. So this is what the Texas Bankers Association announced. <laughs> they announced the, in quotes, Dead Robber Award, where they would reward anyone who shot a robber in the act $5,000. Wow. Yeah. Vigilante justice. It's best. I know, right? But they also said, not one cent for a hundred live ones. So it was only if you shot a robber dead. Also, $5,000 was a lot at that time. You're going for a headshot. No knee or thigh. Rural Texas, everyone had guns. So... Everyone's just ready for a fight. Yeah. So with this in mind, Marshall planned to create a distraction, and he brought in a few other men to his planned robbery. He brought in 32-year-old ex-con Henry Helms and 21-year-old Robert Hill, as well as Marshall's brother Lee, who helped him rob the last bank, who was also out on parole. Marshall explained his plan. The men would rob the Cisco First National Bank on Christmas with Marshall dressed as Santa Claus to distract everyone <laughs> while the three men would follow, holding Subtle. up the bank employees. Yeah. <laughs> also, if there's like a $5,000, if you shoot a bank robber dead, I swear to God, I'd just start hanging out in banks and be like, any day now, it's going to happen. Right. Just sat in the corner it's with like a sniper. It's going to happen at this bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's planning this robbery. But in the weeks leading up to the robbery, a few things went wrong for Marshall. First, his brother Lee decided to rob a separate bank spur of the moment on his own. Lee was quickly arrested and thrown back in jail. Marshall didn't have his brother to help. Ruined. Desperate for the extra help, Marshall recruited another man, 22-year-old Louis Davis, who had no criminal background but was roped in as it was Christmas time and he was desperate for money for his wife and children. Imagine, he's 22... He's got a wife and a couple of kids. He wow. has no money. He just sounded like a desperate man trying to make his family happy for Christmas. Oh, I don't know if I feel as sorry for him as you do. <laughs> Get a I job. I for what happened. <laughs> Get a job. Like you're in Go Texas. Go work in the oil fields. Like this, yeah, there's plenty of work to be had, I'm sure. I mean, this was 1927, so it was Was the Great Depression era. Yeah. It sounds to me like he's Um, he's like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Jingle All the Way, and he's just waited till Christmas Eve and then gone, oh, fuck, (laughs) I've got nothing. (laughs) Then he's like, like, the clock's ticking. (laughs) His wife is like, have you bought that toy train yet? Go out and buy it. And then he can't uh... find it. And then... So Marshall asked his landlady, who had sewn a Santa suit for her husband, if he could borrow the suit for the day. The disguise was better than just the standard robber's bandana, as it hid his whole face. Yeah. And because it was Christmas time, no one would bat an eye. I reckon there's a few Santas, like, walking around town as well, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So on the evening of December 22nd, 1927, the four men stole a Buick and drove the 200 miles from Wichita Falls to Cisco, stopping off in an oil field camp where Louis Davis's sister lived. 
Lewis's sister's husband refused to let the men stay in their home. It's because they were all drinking and driving. And by the time they got to their place, they were all just like wasted. Wow. So the men took a tent and camped outside in the front yard. Fair. Yeah. The next day, the men drove the rest of the way to Cisco. They parked in the outskirts of Cisco where Marshall put on his Santa suit and he started walking down Main Street, being very obvious, waving at families and like <laughs> saying, hi, kids. What? I don't understand this like mentality. <laughs> this isn't really hiding I think in plain sight, you'll is find it? It's, well, he's trying to create this distraction because then kids start following him. So he also has this like added shield of <laughs> kids. So that he won't get shot. I guess. Uh, the kids start following him. They're like shouting their last minute Christmas requests, wanting to sit on his lap, Aww. all that kind of stuff. The three other men parked the getaway car in the alley behind the bank and waited for their moment. Marshall entered the bank, followed by the three men and a bunch of other kids. The three men piled in and they said, I don't know if they said this, but I can imagine. This is, this is a ho ho hold up. Fuck off. <laughs> that did not happen. I was watching a YouTube video of this man who was, I think he's from Texas or something, and he just stands next to historical buildings and says historical stories, and I stole that from him. Nice. He, he was totally so, like showboating there. Yes, yeah. definitely. This is a ho-ho holdup. So that's happening. At the same time, a six-year-old girl, Frances Blazingame, I hope I'm saying that right, and her mother, who were shopping on Main Street, noticed Santa entering the First National Bank. Six-year-old Frances ran across the street to the bank, excited to speak to Aww. Santa, and her mother followed. When they entered the bank, they quickly realized something was wrong. Santa and the three men had their pistols drawn at the staff and customers inside. Horrifying. Six-year-old kid's dreams shattered. <laughs> Santa's robbing a bank. This is how he pays for everybody's presents. <laughs> oh, I bet that was like the lie that people told their kids. Like yeah. Santa just had to get more cash. <laughs> yeah. And you think you think he you think money grows on trees? Santa has to get the money from somewhere. <laughs> His elves can't make everything. <laughs> now come along. <laughs> yeah. Out the bank now. <laughs> so the mother and daughter quickly ran to the unguarded side door and out into the alley past the getaway car and they ran down two blocks yelling that they needed help and they made it to city hall where the police i say in heavy quotes police department right jim because the, the sheriff police in the town is just there were there. only three yeah. police officers yeah <laughs> so they found police chief bit bedford who was the same man who caught marshall and his brother a year prior after he heard them bragging about their crimes same guy. He knew who it was. Wow. Meanwhile, Marshall was inside filling his Santa sack with around $12,000 in cash and bonds. <laughs> he's really gone. He's really like committed to this costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like that other guy, when, uh, the episode that we did disguises. Yeah. I remember my guy, uh, I think his nickname was Hollywood because he just got so into his disguises. Maybe he really did say this is a ho ho hold up. <laughs> <laughs> like for the sounds of things, he fucking went there. Yeah. Jolly. Thank you very much. Uh, ho ho ho. <laughs> he leaves. <laughs> so the mother and daughter alerted the police and they showed up. Remember, it's only like three men uh, with guns blazing. And despite the customers inside, began shooting inside oh, no. the bank. And Marshall and his men began returning fire. That's not very Christmassy. Remember, guns everywhere. Fucking hell. Texas. You drop though, don't you? You drop to the floor. Yeah. The robbers were done filling up their bags and headed for the side door, using the customers and employees as human shields. No. Several hostages were hit. <gasps> uh, and they don't know if it was from the cops or the robbers. Wow. Local grocer Oscar 
Oscar Cleet or Cliet. Uh, he had been in the bank to make a deposit. He suffered a bullet wound to his foot. And Marion Olson, a Harvard student, home for the holidays, was shot in the thigh. Okay, well, that's they're both livable yeah. injuries. There were a couple other people who uh, were shot and died a couple of days later, no. I believe. That's awful. Marshall, was, he was grazed in the leg and face. And Lewis Davis, the 22-year-old dad who didn't have any prior convictions or criminal background, he was hit the worst. He was hit in the chest and legs. Yeah. Uh, police Chief Bedford had also been fatally shot during the holdup. No! One no. out of three of your police force is gone. <laughs> I think one of the other men, too. Bad day. Yeah, not a good day. The men made it to the car only to find that it barely had any gas to get going. Oh, for fuck's so sake, they flagged you down... one job. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were drunk the night before. They were drunk and... Also, early 20s. Your brain isn't fully formed yet. Honestly, that's like going, right, getaway car. Where did I put those keys? (laughs) Come on! Melissa, you're psychic. You're like already uh, naming something that's about to happen. So they look at the gas tank. There's barely any gas left. They flag down an Oldsmobile with a family in it. Shoving out the driver, who was 14-year-old Woodrow Harris. He Why was driving are you driving his at parents... 14? <laughs> Texas. This is Texas in the 20s. I think you could probably learn to drive when you were like 10. Fuck me. No no laws yet. As long as you could see over the wheel, yeah. it's fine. Woodrow was driving his parents and grandmother. They were all pushed out of the car. And the three men got in the car, big commotion because they're shoving in the sacks of cash and Lewis, who's like barely, he can barely walk because he's just dying basically. Uh, They put him on top of all the cash in the back. So that's nice and bloodstained and useless. Right. Well done. (laughs) Uh, So during the commotion of stealing the Oldsmobile, as the men went to start the car, they noticed that they didn't have keys because Woodrow, <laughs> as the family had run, run away, 14-year-old Woodrow had taken them with him. So good job, Woodrow. What a G. <laughs> yeah. Fast thinking it's like, fine, from 14-year-old. You can have my car, old. but you can't have the fucking yeah. keys. <laughs> <laughs> can't do anything without these. And that family had also like run off and hid in a farmhouse. Okay. The robbers ran back to their Buick, leaving Lewis Davis behind, who was bleeding out in the back seat. As they jumped into their Buick, they grabbed two young girls, 10 and 8-year-old Laverne no. and Emma May, as hostages and shields, because no. the police were still following them and shooting at them. And they used what little gas they had to drive away. I think because the police were on foot, too, then they were able to get away. Yeah. Police caught up to Lewis in the Oldsmobile and found that he was lying on a pile of money. The robbers had barely taken any of the cash with them after all of that. So well, that they left great. most of it behind. I'm sorry, yeah. but I think if I'm doing a retrospective look at this, this is all poor planning. It <laughs> it was. Yeah. A lot of the articles that I read was like, Marshall Ratliff put a ton of planning into this with his Santa suit and getting the men and thinking up this distraction but the actual like execution which wasn't robbery there. yeah yeah and getaway especially just it all went to shit because the mother and daughter found them yeah yeah the 6 year old yeah and they were able to like escape and run and tell ever tell the police so but they should have had that um, contingency like the bank is busy it's christmas right what was I going to say? Oh, there was around 16 people in the bank at the time as well. Yeah, busy. So, yeah. Um. So they took the little girls and they drove away. Police caught up to Lewis and found that he was laying on a pile of money. I already read that. I also was, as I was writing this, I was thinking like, I wonder if they were stupid and they were like, maybe if we leave the cash behind with Lewis, then they'll think that it was just him that stole all the no. money they won't chase us no way they would yeah. have known like there was the loads of gunshots and like loads of witnesses right so marshall henry and robert eventually abandoned the buick uh which by that point was gasless it had a bunch of bullet holes in it and it had two flat tires oh how the what i guess they got shot out or something <laughs> yeah no. 
When police caught up to the car, they found Laverne and Emma huddled in the back. They were safe and untouched, but they were obviously traumatized. I'm so glad they're okay, though. Again, dreams crushed. Santa just kidnapped you. (laughs) Followed by guns blazing. (laughs) Yes. Forever ruined your Christmas. Yeah. Oh, traumatizing. Yeah. In the following days, Ratliff, Helms, and Hill would steal two more cars, take another hostage, and do their best to evade authorities amid the woodsy terrain along the Brazos River. They've got no money now, right? They're just wounded and running away. Yeah, basically, Fuck yeah. Me. That's they, so pointless. Probably no bullets left. They're hiding in the woods. They're trying to steal cars. And they have a couple of wounds themselves. Yeah. Like you said, angry and bloody Santa. Uh, Probably no change of clothes, too, so he's probably running around in his Santa costume. (laughs) Or he's trying to, like, cut the sleeves off so it's like a sexy little Santa costume (laughs) and not like a full one. (laughs) Wearing the beard as a wig. Like, he's really (laughs) trying to, like, when Marge Simpson gets that Chanel suit and she just, like, like, rejigs it every time. Keeps wearing it. Yeah. Yeah. So the robbery resulted in the largest manhunt the state had ever seen, and the police actually released a generic photo of Santa Claus. Oh, we know what Santa looks like. like. <laughs> yeah, it was an illustration of Santa Claus. Like, Just have in case you seen you this man? Fuck it out. Yeah. Uh, Santa, aka Marshall, was eventually gunned down by a deputy sheriff oh, outside dear. South Bend. And the two other men escaped temporarily before being captured by authorities in Graham, Texas, which is about an hour from Cisco, where this all happened. Robert Hill, one of the other men, he pled guilty to armed robbery. All of the men got pretty harsh sentences. Well, they uh, caused a fiasco. They did. So he pled guilty to armed robbery and was sentenced to 99 years in jail. He escaped three times, was recaptured, and was eventually paroled in his mid in the mid forties. Right. So that's Robert Hill. Henry Helms, uh, he was thirty-two. He was sentenced to the electric chair Ooh. and he was executed <gasps> on September sixth, nineteen twenty-nine, which was like a year and a half after wow. all this happened. Those yeah, sen- those sentences rocketed up. Yeah. Uh, Marshall, he was sentenced to 99 years in prison. On November 19th, 1929, almost two years since the incident that left 11 dead and more <gasps> injured. God, that's loads. A mob, a mob formed outside the Eastland County Jail where Marshall stayed in his cell. The mob stormed the jail. They grabbed Marshall and dragged him out. At the time, there was a play going on down the street, and one of the mob grabbed uh like a prop rope from the play <gasps> and tied it around Marshall's hands and feet and neck the mob hung 26-year-old Marshall oh. from a nearby power pole whoa that is texas yeah, for you he died it is that is pretty fucking texas people were angry yeah several thousand people viewed Marshall's body the next day at a furniture store in Eastland Jesus. Before Judge Garrett ordered the corpse locked up. This remember this is the twenties. People didn't yeah, have a like lot the of entertainment. Eighteen hundreds though. Like this like yeah. in the twenties, people had yeah. cars. <laughs> You're talking like this is like medieval Britain. Um Fuck what, me. What do you want to do today? Go you wanna go for a drive or you wanna go see a corpse? What do you wanna do? Let's go check out the corpse of that guy that robbed the bank like two years ago. <laughs> God, Texas must be boring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to any Texas listeners. I-, I know it's not boring. There's some very cool spots there. I'm scared to go there now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully things have changed in the past hundred years. Someone's going to write in and um, be like, no, I went and saw a corpse last week. Absolutely yeah. nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had to do yeah. was there was a corpse. What, and Corpse Tuesdays? Yeah, we do every week. Corpse Tuesdays. <laughs> Um, so no one was ever tried in association with the lynching, although many people in the town claim to have either been at the lynching or know someone who was part of the mob. That's the thing. And no one's this... ever charged for a lynching, are they? 
Like, I don't know anybody. No. It's complete clown court. Because people are like, all right, well, you shouldn't have done it, but justice has been served. And it's always done in a group. So yeah. Jim tied the rope, but that's all he did. And I didn't I didn't hang anyone. I was just there. Yeah, I saw it. It's confusion, it's chaos, it's yeah. Yeah. That's what they were like. Yeah. So to this day, the lynching rope is a prize <gasps> exhibit in the Eastland County Law Enforcement Museum. Wow. And you could see it displayed. And the bank, the First National Bank uh, in Cisco, has a painting of the robbery al- along with, with like Santa. Uh, articles from that time. So that's the story. Oh my of, God, I'm going to try not, to find it's, it. Not really, <laughs> yeah, not really a disaster, but I think it was kind of a disaster in the end with what, them it was. what happened with everyone. Yeah. I don't know whether I so want to be. So that's the- my story for this week. Wow, that was a roller coaster. I don't know who I want to be in that story. Do I want to be the guy that got the chair, or do I want to be the guy that got lynched by the public? Because they both sound or do I want to be absolutely horrible? Do I want to be a parent of a child whose dreams were shattered, and I had three to explain children. to them what happened? <laughs> three children's dreams were crushed. Eleven people died. Like yeah. fuck it out. To be fair, it was it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I can't beat that. I'll be honest. <laughs> Mine's nowhere near as entertaining. Strap in for some depression. But it will fucking bum you out. So okay. <laughs> um. So there's a program on Channel Five, uh, which is the pro, which is basically the channel that me and Carly like to watch because uh, they have just so much trash on there, like the mm. cheesiest stuff. But like one of their programs was um, Children Who Kill. And we were like, okay. we haven't, we haven't yeah. seen this before. Like some true crime that we haven't seen. Yeah. Nice and rare. And um, mm-hmm. this is a crime that happened on Boxing Day. So it's the day after oh. Christmas Day. So you don't get that in yeah. America, do you? What do you call Boxing Day? I mean, it's on the calendars here, but nobody knows what it means. I know what it means, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll explain it real quick. Yeah, I, I think I'd explained it too in our last Christmas episode. But Boxing Day is basically uh back in like hundreds of years times ago of yore. everyone w- <laughs> yeah <laughs> times of yore before we were all born uh people would have their christmas day and then they would box up their leftovers and maybe some gifts and then on boxing day they would give it to the poor oh i didn't know that i thought it was gonna be like fucking boxing uh no that's what you'd think right yeah like some kind match. of sport yeah <laughs> Never really thought about it, probably because every Christmas and Boxing Day I've been too drunk or too obsessed with a toy <laughs> to care why it's called that. But um, Yeah. Okay, so my story is about Tony Bushby, and he's known as the Catfish Killer. So I'm sure mm, there's a few Catfish okay. Killers, but this was what he was, that was his moniker in the paper. So yeah. in 2011, Tony Bushby, born in 1999, was a 19-year-old who lived in Boreham Wood, which is a town in South Hertfordshire in England. So it's 12 miles mm. northwest um, from central London, um, from Charing Cross. Okay. So it's northwest yeah. London. So he went to West Hertfordshire College and he was a black belt in karate with hopes of becoming an oh. instructor. I don't know why, okay. but I feel like people who do karate are a bit losery. Sorry if you do karate, but I just... <laughs> It might be the way, it might just be because I've been like programmed with Ross from Friends calling it karate or something. Like, I just think, like, there's a lot of that, isn't there, with serial killers? It's it's, almost on the bingo. Like, they were really into their martial arts. Yeah. I don't think it's the actual art form of karate isn't losery, but I think there's a lot of like white guys who get really into it and that's what it is. Uh think that they're cooler than everyone. Or think they're gonna be able to kick anyone's ass when really they're like doing up their little dressing gown and somebody just punches them straight in the face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, he was anyway, he was really good at it. He was a black belt. Um and he was teaching other people. Um so he went to, as I said, West Hertfordshire College, and that was where he met Catherine Winter, who everybody called Katie. Um, so she okay. was 18, and she was a promising student, and she was uh, really shy and quiet, and she attended church every Aww. Sunday. So she was studying illustration at the College of Art and Design. 
And even though Tony and Katie went to the same college and that's how they knew each other, they didn't share any classes and none of their friends ever reported seeing them together. So people who knew Katie said that she was a really quiet person, but as is normal of like that era, she was um, really active on social media so she made friends with myspace probably uh it was it was facebook at that time it was 2011 so facebook's just come out okay it came out in 2008 didn't it so yeah Yeah. so facebook's pretty new so they're they're friends on facebook and um they chatted online and he introduced her to some other of his facebook friends um so one of them was called dan tress one of them was called Mm -hmm. sin darwin one of them was called Shane Pluon and one of them was called Crystal Standgard. Okay. Um, so Katie wasn't sure that she liked Tony romantically, but he kind of said to her, I re- you know, I really like you. And then she was, as she was friends with all of his other friends on Facebook, they started saying, oh, he's a really great guy. Like, he's really great mm. in karate. He's really nice and kind and romantic and you should definitely go out with him. Um, yeah. So she ended up like, you know, giving him a chance. And a fellow student of the two said that she thought Katie fell in love with him um, after they were chatting on Facebook. And she said, I didn't get the impression that she saw much of him. And she contacted him primarily through Facebook, phone calls and texting. And she would always Mm. say that the relationship was fine. Like if you said, oh, how are you and your boyfriend? She'd be like, yeah, we're we're good, we're fine. Um, And that she would meet, they used to meet up in a forest um, near where they lived in Boreham Wood and they would just talk and kiss. Like it was quite, um, quite sweet and quite romantic and, you know, nothing. Yeah, kind of innocent. Yeah, nothing more than kissing. Like, yeah. um, And then another college friend of theirs said that Katie was shy and secretive about the relationship and that she rarely discussed it unless you asked her. Um, So she was quite shy about having a boyfriend. And her family um, suspected that she had a boyfriend, but they could never find out who it was because she just didn't. Mm. She was like, none of your beeswax. So, okay. <laughs> so Christmas Day came and went um, and the pair were reportedly still meeting in secret in like nearby parks and at the woods and stuff. And then on the 26th, which as we know is Boxing Day, Katie agreed to look after her two young nieces for her sister, Sabrina, who was spending the night away from home with her boyfriend. So as she left, Sabrina warned Katie to lock the door and not let anybody in. After not hearing from her the following morning, Katie's mum went to check on her and she was told by her grandchildren who ran down the stairs, they were two little girls that were three and four years old, and they ran downstairs and they said, Grandma, Katie's dead. (gasps) No. I know. So they're at ages where maybe they would forget that. Hopefully, maybe, hopefully they don't remember. Yeah, because um, mm-hmm. I don't think I remember barely anything from being three and four. Although no. it wasn't that yeah. bad. So, but yeah, again, hopefully they can um, they can just like not uh, drag that about with them. So she followed yeah. the mum followed a trail of blood that led towards the kitchen, and she found Katie slumped against the fridge, surrounded in a mm-hmm. pool of blood. She had been stabbed 23 times and out of the 23 wounds, yeah, 13 were significant wounds and then the rest were like defensive injuries. So cuts to her hands and arms where she tried to protect herself. So the wound that had killed her was a severe wound to the neck and a stab wound to the stomach that penetrated her vital organs. So that is fucking savage. Um, Poor Katie. Yeah, she had been lying in the kitchen of her sister's house all night with her nieces upstairs. Oh. So, I mean, later on you find out the time of her death. They think it was between 9.30 um, and oh, 2, so two in the morning. Right so away. they were in bed. The kids were in bed, yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the police were called, and after they inspected Katie's laptop and phone, they discovered that Tony Bushby was Katie's boyfriend. So they paid him a visit Mm. and he told police that he'd spoken to her the previous night as he walked home and she told him that she was babysitting and that was all that would happen. And he also denied Mm. being her boyfriend and said that they were just friends. One of those guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shame to me, are Mm -hmm. you? So 
Police found Katie's blood on the front door of Bushby's home, which is obviously kind of bang to right situation. Um, yeah, how'd and, that get there? Well, Rachel, I'll tell you what he said. <laughs> he said <laughs> okay. um, that it had come from the gloves that he was wearing and that they had been given to him by Dan Tress, which was one of his friends that Katie was okay. speaking to on Facebook. He went on to okay. de- he went on to deny the murder and blame the entire thing on his friend Dan. So wow. detectives made searches of income tax records, criminal databases, and the DVLA, which is like the driving database. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody with that name existed. Tony okay. So Tony said that he knew Dan Tress through the karate clubs, so they made inquiries at the clubs, but again, nobody of that name was found. It was then revealed yeah. that, like, they Googled him, and the name Dantress is a character in a fanti- fantasy book called Swords what? of the Six by Scott Appleton, which he had. What a nerd. Nerd! That's like, that's like, you get caught for a crime and you're like, oh yeah, I, uh, these gloves are given to me by Ron Weasley. Yeah! Like, um, <laughs> Dumble. First name Dumble, second name Door. Like, get in the van. (laughs) When detectives studied his computer, they found out that all of the friends, Dan, Sin, Shane and Crystal, were made up. And that he had invented them to communicate with Katie, convincing her that they were real. And the profile pictures of them were found in his recycling, like, you know, the recycling uh, bin on your computer. They found found all Uh the profile photos just in there. Like sloppy work. Okay. Um, yeah. So they were just stock photos of people. And the police, knowing he had made Dan up, came to the obvious conclusion that he was the murderer. And he was mm-hmm. arrested the next day. Um, so, sorry, he was arrested on the same day that Katie was found, which was 27th of December. Wow. Good um, police work. Fast. It was Fast and efficient. It was fast, but also, like, you can tell that like he's 19 and that was there's i mean you could argue there's forward planning in that he's a liar but yeah there's no forward planning to delete the digital trail that you've obviously left right so it's a difficult one so the next day on the 28th of december he asked to speak to the officers and told them i made a mistake when i told you about my whereabouts it wasn't it wasn't true i was with someone else and they asked me to do a favor for them and i did the police officer stopped him and asked him if what he was about to say was going to get him in trouble. And he replied, yes. Like, okay. I love that the police officer was like, duh, 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 duh. whatever you're going to say, stop. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Because you're a fuckhead. Maybe and... think about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> think about this for a second. Yeah, look. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he was subsequently prosecuted for the murder of Katie. He pleaded not guilty. I don't know what lawyer is telling what? him to plead not guilty, but they they Unless are he's pleading insanity, insanity or it doesn't seem like defense. he is. It doesn't seem like he is. It seems like he's just mm-hmm. pleading not guilty and blaming it on someone else. Okay. Um. So his trial started in July two thousand twelve. Um. At Saint Albans Crown Court. During the trial, it was discovered. That following the murder, Tony went to his family home nearby and destroyed his mobile phone. So he'd like smashed up the okay. phone and smashed up the SIM card to cover up um, what happened and destroy evidence. Well, you didn't smash up her phone and SIM card, so that was fucking stupid. Um, no, and you didn't delete the fake profile pictures of your fake friends. No. Well, he put them in the recycling bin, so I think he just forgot to empty the bin. <laughs> <laughs> so prosecutor Michael Speak said... He systematically tricked Katie over a period of time into believing that she was in contact with the defendant and with a small circle of his friends. He used them to say things about him to gain her trust. They said flattering or impressive things about him to get him to like her. He also said, uh, so the prosecutor also said about the nieces, those young children had no real comprehension of the appalling nature of what had just happened in the house, Mm. which is very true. It's true. So the jury also heard that after Katie was murdered, Tony had made inquiries to Facebook about how to remove an account. Um, what? It doesn't seem all a ticket, you know? 
No. At the same time, he was viewing pornographic and rape websites and carrying out Google searches in which he asked questions such as, how long does it take to dig a grave by hand? Fucking long time, mate, I'll tell you that. And how long does it take to to burn a human body? I'll answer that for you again, Tony. A fucking long time. After doing this podcast for a year and a half, both of those things take ages. All right? The answer that should pop up on your screen will be ages. (laughs) I'm pretty sure both of us have also Googled that, so... If any police are are listening and uh, want to look at our search history, it's for this podcast. How long does it take to dig a else? grave by hand? That's such a like fucking millennial thing. Don't, just do it. Don't uh, don't Google it. Like he's like <laughs> weighing up his options. Buy a shovel, dude. He's like, do you know what? I think I should probably Google this before I commit to an option. That's such a yeah. millennial like <laughs> mindset. <laughs> it really is. I'll just I'll just look it up really quick. Do you know what? Uh, I'm not going to ask you one. I'll just Google it. I don't want to look stupid. Yeah. Is it <laughs> is it five hours or 12 hours? I wonder. Because I need to I be, should check. I've got a shift coming up. <laughs> yeah. What dickhead. So this was um, after Katie was murdered sometime between 9.15 and 20 to 10 on Boxing Day night. So that's a pretty tight time scale yeah. they've got there. Pretty yeah, precise. Yeah, really small. For a time yeah. of death. Bushby repeatedly looked at her Facebook account for the next hour. Why would you do that? You know... After she died? Yeah. Okay. Maybe he's just being really creepy and just looking at photos. But you know that she's... Or seeing if anyone Oh, maybe he's definitely checking that she's to dead. Her or maybe... Maybe he, maybe he stabbed yeah. her and ran and didn't know if he'd actually killed her. But 23 times I feel is a like lot of stabbing. Yeah. Yeah, you would... He probably was making sure... Yeah. He then disposed of bloodstained clothes and shoes in a bulky bin bag, which he was seen on CCTV carrying through Boreham Wood. He left the bag by the bins, not even in the bins, (laughs) that were collected in the morning. But do you know what? The bin men collected them, so that and the murder weapon were never recovered. What? Just goes to show the devotion of the fucking bin men in Boreham Wood. Um, They are doing their jobs right after Christmas and taking it seriously. Wow. So in a victim impact statement read to the court, Mrs. Davis said it was impossible to describe the devastation the loss of Katie had caused. She had an innocence Mm. about her and it was because of that innocence that she died. And that's probably true. Christmas should be a peaceful and happy time, but for my family, its meaning has been changed forever and we will never be able to celebrate in the same way. He's evil and we will never forgive him. And that's exactly how I would feel if someone killed someone. I'd be like, you know, people are like, oh, you know, it's not good to carry around ill feeling. I'd be like, I will wish you ill for the rest of your days. There is, and I'm fine with that. (laughs) Do not get people who are like, oh, I can't carry around hate. I carry around more hate than is probably appropriate already. <laughs> and no one in my family has been murdered. So uh, the prosecutor also said, um, we will probably never know precisely why he murdered Katie. And we'll probably never know how far in advance that he intended to kill her. But um, there's an interesting um, documentary. And it's called The Babysitter and the Cyber Killer. And in that, mm. Katie's sister Sabrina is 33. Um, and she talks to, uh, I think it was in Glamour magazine. They yeah. talk about the fact that um, that he was watching um, rape porn and he was Googling submissive black girl porn because oh. um, Katie was black and he was white. And it said okay. one film showed a woman forced to perform sex acts with a knife held to her throat. Hmm. And Sabrina Charles, Katie's sister, is calling for a ban on racist pornography which, she, which mm-hmm. she believes motivated his attack. And she said, yeah. Bushby went from becoming obsessed with this type of violent fantasy to realising he knows a black woman and making that obsession a reality. These films depict black mm. women in a very specific and degrading way and can be seen as inciting racial hatred or promoting violence against black women. So yeah, that's um, when they say, like, we don't know why he killed her or how far in advance he intended to kill her. Like... The type of porn that he was watching um, was, in the family's view indicative. and in his sister's view, yeah, indicative yeah. Of, of something that he wanted to carry out in real life. So right. that's super worrying. 
Um, I didn't even know that type of porn yeah. existed, but then there's loads of types of porn that I didn't know existed. That Porn recently, is messed up these days. It really fucking is, man. There is nothing you cannot find. Uh, also of note is that three days before the murder, Tony had lured Katie to a field on the outskirts of the town, claiming that they were going to meet up with one of his fictional friends called Sin Darwin. And then mm-hmm. nobody turned up, so Katie and Tony left. So okay, the judge. So he might have planned to do it. Do then. it then, yeah. But and he that's just, what like, they're saying. Okay, yeah. So he, yeah, yeah. So he he just uh like pussied out of it. The judge Andrew Bright said an aggravating feature of the case was the planning and forethought shown by setting up fictional characters. He also said he was mm-hmm. satisfied that the motive of the killing was sexual, say, stating you derived sexual excitement from the infliction of the knife wounds on her. Um, referring to the stab wounds at the top of each of her thighs. He said, Mm. although there was no sexual assault, I am satisfied your motive was a sexual one and that you derived sexual excitement for inflicting those injuries upon her. I'm satisfied you intended to kill her and made sure you had done so before leaving her in a pool of blood in the kitchen where her young relatives found her. In the months leading up Mm -hmm. to the murder, you created fictional friends in order to gain Catherine Winter's trust and say things on Facebook designed to mislead her. I am currently of the view that you pose a very real danger to women. And so on Tuesday, the 24th of July, he was found guilty of murder. And you, sir, may fuck off. On the 25th of July, he was sentenced to life with a minimum of 25 years before he can ask for parole. Wow. So and he's in prison right now, and he right has about now. 15 years well, this left was before 2012. he can ask for parole. So 2047 before so he can ask for parole. So it's been 10 years. Yeah. And Long he's time. never admitted to why he did this. It's just nope. been speculation by family and the judge. And Yeah. Um, I think, do you know man, what? I, I hate this guy. I think, I also read that the, the judge had... Um, read a psychological assessment of him and like deemed him like fit to stand trial so i think he pled not guilty mm. and was going to go for an insanity defense and then the judge was like no so he yeah basically had to stick with his not guilty plea i mean what is right. your defense i would love to read those court transcripts yeah if i had and your lawyer what is your lawyer saying that is a shitty public defender the only thing that I can think that would make him plead not guilty is a defense, like he was defending himself. That's the only thing that I can think. If you can't use insanity, then oh, he might have tried to say, yeah, that he was in self-defense. But and he, it's like, or, well, he doesn't seem to that's have not a work either. scratch on him. So, Right. And he went to her house. Uh, it's just yeah. awful as well because like her sister was like don't let anyone in and she's like it's okay it's my boyfriend mm, that she's been seeing yeah. for so I, th- I think they were seeing each other for like six months or something like and she's been lied to by him by fake friends that he made up like oh yeah he's a great guy yeah that would convince Telling me her that he's if great. i had made friends yeah if i had made friends even if i at the time you know i'm if I were 20, this was around the time that we were in uni and yeah, that age as well. Yeah, absolutely it was, yeah. I can imagine, like, I made friends online and I talked to people. If somebody that I trusted was like, yeah, this guy's great, you should totally go out with him, I probably would have gone along with it. Yeah, definitely. People's, people's like, um, opinion on your boyfriend, Yeah, that kind of matters to me now. If people it does. Were it's like, important. Your boyfriend's a dick. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like it takes a lot yeah. of energy to stick with something that everyone else hates. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend very recently. I had just met her new partner, and afterwards, it was just me and her. And she was like, "So, what did you think of them?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, they're fine." Like, and she was like, "What? But what do you really think?" Like, I want to yeah. know what my friends think of my new person yeah me too it's important and did you like because your friends know you as well (laughs) did she listen i did i did okay yeah it's a good person so it was fine It, it i think now like it doesn't happen very often but if if a friend was dating a shitty person i'd probably be like what are you doing yeah well, I think you say I'd something say at the time. It in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, they were, they were some. Hope that cheered up your Christmas. <laughs> Eleven people dead. 
12 people dead, including poor Katie oh, Winter. Yeah. You know, Joyo Noel. <laughs> well, if you want something a little bit cheerier, sign up to our Patreon and, and watch that this week on Christmas Eve. And we're going to do more of those, right? We're going to be good. We are. We're going to yeah. get on Santa's nice list. <laughs> <laughs> by, by working ourselves to the bone. <laughs> yeah. We'll just be dying on our Patreon videos. <laughs> um, anyways, hope everyone has a great Christmas, New Year, any holiday that you're celebrating. Be safe. Yeah, when is this coming out? Tomorrow. Yeah, but we're going to do another one, right? Before then, what what fucking day is Christmas Day? It's Saturday. It's this coming Saturday. <laughs> oh my Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Talissa's like, I gotta go buy presents. Oh my God, I've bought nothing. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> like, life, I'm just horrified that life's slipping through my fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what year yeah. is it? It's Christmas? What year is this? Yeah. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Day. <laughs> right, we'll see you soon. <laughs> Boy, what day is this? <laughs> You're my boy. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Transat Crime Pod, Instagram at Transatlantic Crime, and on Facebook with Transatlantic Crime Podcast. Thanks, bye. Ha, 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 ha.